The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to the Roto-Wire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. My name is Chris Crawford. Today is July 1st, a very happy Bobby Bonilla Day for those who celebrate and for those who realize it's just a day. I appreciate that too. I am joined by my buddy, Drew Silva. Uh, today we're going to be doing something fun. We are going to be redrafting, and that's, I know, something that a lot of you get a kick out of. So first half of the season is essentially over. We're going to draft our top players, the guys that we think are going to be performing the best over the second half of the season. Uh, but first, we did want to talk about a little bit of a trade that happened. Uh, Aroldis Chapman traded. We didn't think that Aroldis Chapman necessarily would be a big transaction uh, acquisition in uh, the year of 2023, uh, but he is. He is headed to the Texas Rangers in return for a couple of prospects. Uh, Chapman has been really good, Drew, uh, and joins a team that, you know, the Texas Rangers have scored an awful lot of runs, but I think the biggest question mark about that team is its pitching staff and specifically its bullpen. Uh, this seems like a pretty good fit on paper. Yeah, and good on the Rangers for getting ahead of this relief market. It, it should be a very active trade deadline in that regard with so many haves and have-nots around the league and the smarter end of the have-nots, you know, shedding bullpen parts for young talent. It's the right thing for them to do and even sort of the middle ground teams trying to make a push like there's there's so much need for relief help at the top mm -hmm. of the divisional and the wild card standings that the lower end already out of it clubs should take advantage of that um and Ch yeah chapman isn't maybe the unhittable high leverage force that he was in his prime with the reds and the yankees but he had bounced back to a, a significant degree this year in kansas city uh, flashing some of that old form right now at 2.45 ERA, 53 strikeouts in 29 and a third innings. He's been on a dominant run in recent weeks. Um, there are a lot of walks this year. The, the command has faltered in recent seasons, and there are some lingering durability concerns with Chapman, but he's been effective against both righties and lefties. It's a really good bullpen addition for a Rangers team that has turned the, the corner quickly. I, I know you loved their the over on their win total and that might hit by by august um yeah, and yeah they, they've designs on grabbing that american league west title i would say will smith should remain the rangers primary closer um he's mm. been a steadying presence in that role it was in flux throughout the first month of the season but he's really taken the reins of that chapman will probably get chances it could be kind of a co-closer situation with smith handling the majority of the opportunities um as for the return for KC, 
Uh, Cole Ra- Reagan's hasn't lived up to the promise of being a, a first round selection. What was that? Like 2016 in the 2016 draft, but he was a, a pick out of high school, 30th overall, still relatively young at age 25. He's going to get another chance to start in the Royals system. They've already said that after he was working in relief and struggling this year at the major league level for Texas. Um, he's heading to AAA Omaha for now and, and could maybe emerge as like a back end rotation option eventually for the Royals who need all the immediate and long-term rotation help that they can get as they try to break out of what has become a really stagnant rebuilding process. I, I won't claim to know much about Roni Cabrera, I believe is how you pronounce it. He's a 17-year-old outfield right. prospect from the, the Dominican Republic, hitting the ball well at, at the very lower levels of the minor leagues. But it seems like maybe Cabrera was probably the headliner of this deal for the Royals. And, you know, seems seems like a worthy dart throw for them for a guy in Chapman who they always kind of knew was going to be a rental. Yeah, absolutely. And look, uh, I'm always a little bit skeptical of guys who repeat the Dominican Southern League. Like that is usually, although he's not, uh, he's an older guy or not an old guy by any stretch of the imagination. Excuse me. He's going to be 18 years old. Oh, to only be too old to be something at the age of 18. Um, It is also worth pointing out that Reagan's is throwing harder than he has in the past. Uh, Was 97 this spring after being more 93, 94. I believe he's a two-time Tommy John guy, which is a little bit scary. Uh, But Cabrera is interesting. This is a guy who has, um, according to some people I spoke with, a chance for plus power, um, really pretty swing. Uh, Worth pointing out that he trained with the same guy who trained Juan Soto who has a pretty good uh, track record at this, Christian Romero, um, one of the better um, and less uh, skeezy guys who works down there, if I'm being completely honest with you. There are some... I think that's a fair way to put it. (laughs) Yeah, there's some real pieces of work down there that uh, uh, are not great for the game of baseball and the reason why a lot of people want to draft, but he is not one of them. Um, But yeah, he he projects to be a power hitter. He's a lottery ticket. And when you can get a a lottery ticket that... uh, you know, maybe you can see through a little bit and see a couple of numbers that might uh, be able to pay out uh, a, a couple of cherries hidden on the thing. It's not a little bad thing to happen. Um, it is interesting. That is a very left-handed bullpen that the Texas Rangers now mm-hmm. have uh, with Will Smith, uh, Brock Burke, who I actually think is maybe the most talented of those relievers that the Rays, uh, or excuse me, that the Rangers have. Um, and then now Chapman to it. Uh, it gives me kind of a... Not as talented 1990s feel uh, with those Cincinnati Reds with all those lefties that they used to bring out uh, at that time. But uh, that is interesting just because, uh, well, it's less interesting now because of the balanced schedule. You're going to be playing everybody. But um, everything Chapman has shown so far this year suggests he's a nice high leverage reliever. But I wouldn't be adding him uh, in fantasy circles, to be honest, just because I don't think he's going to get enough save chances. Maybe if you're looking for some strikeouts and stuff, the fact and maybe he'll get a, maybe a few more win chances just because, goodness gracious, Kansas City is terrible. Um, at least you mm-hmm. get the high leverage in, in that. But if you're adding relievers for wins, best of luck to you. All right. Uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we are going to start our second half draft. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Vacation starts with VA. One thing you'll love about your trip to Virginia is that you'll never have to settle for one thing. All that you love is all in one trip. Start yours at Virginia.org. Okay, so uh, what we are doing is we are going to be drafting a full team. We are each going to get a catcher, a first baseman, a second baseman, a third baseman, a shortstop, three outfielders, a utility player, one starting pitcher and one relief pitcher. We limited the pitchers because otherwise this is a three-hour show, and we've been told people don't actually like those. Uh, just so you guys are aware in the beginning, uh, rather than wonder, hey, is Otani one player? Hey, is Otani two players? Hey, is Otani one and a half players? Otani just doesn't exist in this. It's Let's just be clear. If Shohei Otani, you can use him as both a pitcher and a hitter, and especially in daily leagues, he is the most obvious number one pick to ever number one pick. He is someone that you just absolutely have to go get, especially in daily leagues. Even in weekly leagues, I still probably, if he's two people, want him on my team because at least I can get, you know, one start from him, especially if I know he's pitching on a Sunday or something like that. You you can deal with the fact that you may lose out on him. But in daily leagues, where he's two people, it's the most easy one-one. If you're separating, Drew, as you agree, Shohei Otani's probably like the sixth or seventh pick as a hitter and maybe somebody you consider as a pitcher too yeah you're, you're kind of just yeah i'm i'm totally in line with with your thinking on that and we disagreed to to leave him out of the discussion there's just too much variance you know based off whether he's one player or two players and right. I, I i think he's an obvious first overall guy if you can use him as both a pitcher and a hitter and then yeah two players he's a he's a mid first round hitter uh, but probably wouldn't be selected as a pitcher in this format because right. I mean, we've just kind of concocted it because we're we're drafting one starting pitcher each, and he's not. Yes. You know, he might. Man, he he's a probably a top ten starting pitcher, which yeah. is crazy. Um, but he's probably he's he wouldn't be like in consideration in in the top three or four. Um, so we're just going to leave that out. It's too complicated. Um, there are some other notable names that didn't come off the board based on the format mm. that we came up with um, oh and let's just go over that, that real we quick along. we yeah let's also roll that out we have pre-drafted um that is so that uh i've also heard that it's not as interesting to listen to somebody scroll through uh a page wondering if they have this position yeah. eligibility or anything like that so we went ahead and uh pre-drafted this stuff um and there are some very good players that 
uh, did not get selected in this thing. Some guys who have put up absolutely monster numbers. Some guys who are uh, currently on the injured list that I think we were a little scared to pick. Maybe we can talk about a yeah. uh, certain small forward for the New York Yankees that we both ended up <laughs> not selecting. Um, a small course, forward was, for the Houston Astros, too. <laughs> small forward for the Houston Astros as well. Yeah, that's a, that is a big big uh that's a big line that you could go put out in the uh by the way nba contracts goodness gracious like i understand that baseball has more going on for it but like when i see desmond bain is getting 200 million dollars i'm like man i wish i was (laughs) fred Fred van vliet i love that fred van vliet got more money than kyrie irving by the way they're they're now we're done talking about the nba but i do love that that was a thing that actually happened in we should have been basketball players though chris we We should have been should have been well, I mean, it's just it's just a matter of trying. It doesn't actually involve becoming tall or having athletic ability. It's just a matter of wanting to do it. That's that's all it takes. Um, we 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 however, picked a different career path where we help people with their <laughs> fantasy baseball yeah, teams. And yeah, yeah, you know what? We're proud of we're proud of our decisions. You're gosh darn right. And Drew, while Otani would have been the overall easy number one pick if he was eligible at two players, I think since Otani does not exist in this draft. The number one pick is fairly obvious. Yeah. And uh, thank you for giving me the first overall pick. It was you're very, very welcome, you, Chris. You might not yeah, have basketball you're talent, but you're, you're a kind <laughs> guy, um, which, <laughs> which you, matters man. much more. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Ronald Acuna Jr. He, yeah. Right. Ronald Acuna Jr. Is my pick at number one overall. He plays outfield for Atlanta. Um, his 162 <laughs> game pace right now is, Pretty mind-boggling. 38 home runs, 73 stolen bases, 144 runs scored. Um, also ranks among the batting average and OPS leaders across all major league hitters. So the full five-category coverage or even you know six-category coverage, depending on, on what your scoring format is like. And truly elite in all of those categories. Um, with no reason to think that there's going to be much fall-off in the second half. He's fully healthy. He's hitting leadoff for an Atlanta squad that is the World Series favorite by a good margin on all betting sites. Um, There wasn't a consensus number one overall pick in drafts this spring, but Acuna was getting a lot of love there, you know, by the end of spring training after he made it through camp with glowing reports uh, on his health and that he wanted to steal more bases and yeah, I mean, rightly so from this midway point perspective that we're we're doing this draft from right now. He's been terrific and like there's a chance that he could be even better in the second half. Yeah. And at the very least, I think he'll maintain what he's done so far. Yeah, absolutely. Which is saying a lot. I, I th- it is saying an awful lot. He's been fantastic. It's uh it would have been interesting to me if Otani and Acuna were in the same league this year because we'd be talking about a heck of an MVP debate. Now, I don't think there's any kind of MVP debate whatsoever in the American League, with all due respect to some other guys. And I think Ronald Acuna is the clear favorite in the National League. And I think these eat pretty easily. If I would have been a, a jerk and selfish, the guy that I would have taken with that first pick pretty easily. Uh, number two was fairly easy for me. Uh, I went with Fernando Tatis Jr. And look, the main reason for that is because Fernando Tatis Jr. is really good. And I think people forget that he missed the first three weeks of the season and he's still on about a 40-40 pace. That is incredible. Yeah. Uh, 15 homers, 14 stolen bases. Has seen a bit of a dip in the average as of late, some contact issues, but he's still hitting 273 and making a lot of hard contact. Now, the, the Padres are a disappointment, but... I think that almost helps you because 
they're not going to slow Fernando Tatis Jr. down on those stolen bases, man. He is going to be running a lot over the second half because they unfortunately have to manufacture runs. It's not something that I think we thought they were going to have to do with that loaded lineup on paper, but they have not, they've been disappointing. It's been the pitching that's really carried the Padres this year. But Fernando Tatis Jr., I just think in terms of filling out all five categories behind Ronald Acuna, he is the second best option to do so in fantasy leagues. If you could go trade for him, my goodness gracious, go do so. Yeah, to, to me, he was the obvious number two here. I agree with you. Uh, number three, I, I went with Corbin Carroll, outfielder, Arizona Diamondbacks. This could maybe be called a reach, like an overreaction to, to current rates of production. Um, around the 70th overall pick in the average draft this spring, and I'm taking him here third overall in this second half redraft. But I don't know what, like, what's not to love? 22 no. years old, quickly emerging as a fantasy superstar right now with 290 batting average, 926 OPS, 17 home runs, 24 stolen bases through 79 games. That's not far off the kind of season, you know, season spanning line that Acuna is trending at at the moment. Um, Carroll did sit out of Friday's series opener against the Angels because he, he made an early exit from Thursday's series finale against the Rays due to right shoulder soreness. It's the same shoulder that he required surgery on in 2021. That was a, a huge procedure it was to, to repair labrum and posterior capsule tears in Carroll's shoulder. But Diamondbacks manager Tori Lavolo uh, said the concern here is minimal. And looking at that that game where it happened, I was watching that game and, and the specific at bat, it seemed like more of like a slight twinge or stinger in like the shoulder neck area. What are those muscles called? The delts? Is that the deltoid? I think so. I, believe? I don't know. Yeah, sure. Um, like it, it's it's like if you if you kind of sleep odd, like your pillow's a little bit too high and your neck hurts a little bit afterward. That that's what it looked like to me. Like I'm, I'm not concerned about it. The Diamondbacks don't seem concerned about it. I wouldn't tie it to that 2021 injury at all. Um, I, I think he's going to be fine. Ho hopefully he's back in the lineup Saturday. That lineup was not out yet uh, when we started recording. But Peril's basically the locked-in number three hitter, sometimes hitting second for a Diamondbacks team that is leading the National League West. I love the over on their wins total. They're, they're a team like the Rangers that could use some some bullpen help for sure. Um, and you know, maybe a starting pitcher, but yeah, I, I really like what, what they have going on in Arizona. And, and what Carroll can do individually – with the help from around him from an improving roster, I expect a continuation in the second half of the greatness we've seen in the first half. Like, I don't think there's a ton of reason to think that he's just naturally going to going to run into a lot of regression. Maybe there'll be a little bit, but with what he gives you with the power speed, the whole category coverage, I'm I, I feel good about making him the third overall pick. Yeah. I mean, look, <clears throat> if you would have told me that you were taking him third overall, uh, at this point, three months ago, I would have been like, what, what, the, what, are, what are you doing, dude? Like, this is not a dynasty league. Yeah. I, I get it from a dynasty perspective for sure, but he's as good as anybody right now. Like he, uh, the, the stolen bases are there. I wanted to ask you a quick question. Do you think players who <clears throat> aren't stealing bases get hurt more in this current climate than players that are help necessarily that steal a bunch of bases am i phrasing that question correctly do you understand what i'm saying like is it more of a detriment to draft a player who doesn't steal bases than it is a help to draft a player who steals a bunch of them just because of we have seen so 
many steals this year already, Drew. So do you think this is more uh, you have to get a guy who steals bases now, or is it more, um, you know, along the, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, no, it's it's something that I've been thinking about since like draft prep season. Um, there are more steals to be gotten, but the elite base stealers give you an edge. Uh, yeah, because they 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 can be more successfully aggressive. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. You you kind of can kind of fall into a trap where you think, oh, I'm going to be able to get late speed. Um, and all right, maybe you will be able to get late speed, but the people that you're reached for speed are going to benefit more just because the guys that do it well are going to do it more often. Um, it's it's something that we're going to kind of have to recalibrate going into draft prep season next year, like h- how to build in these elevated stolen base totals. And it, that ha- that stuff has come down a little bit. Um, but I don't know. The smart teams, we're going to talk about someone later who I kind of have a point about this on. The smart teams realize like the success rates make it so that you should – you should try to steal a lot of bases like that hasn't really that's gone down a little bit but as everyone's getting more used to the new rules but the smart teams are staying aggressive on the base pass with the guys that they have that can pull it off yeah i think that i think you hit the nail on the head it was something i was thinking about the other day too it's just like man can you really afford it's almost kind of like homers now like it's uh you know, can you afford to have a a Nelson Cruz or someone like that in your lineup who isn't going to give you that's any stolen a, that's bases? A good, that's a good way to think about it. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's it's going to be something that we're just going to have to evaluate. And I, uh, I, I, I'm glad that I didn't make a terrible point in the middle of this draft, and I hopefully didn't make a terrible pick with the fourth overall pick. But I'm taking Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman has been just stupid good this year. Uh, expected weighted on base average in the 98th percentile. Expected batting average in the 98th percentile. Expected slugging in the 98th percentile. And oh, by the way, has given you double-digit stolen bases. And there's not a whole heck of a lot of first basemen who can say that. By the way, it's very interesting to see that Freddie Freeman leads the Dodgers in stolen bases. I love that lineup still, Drew. It is interesting to see... Um, just how many guys that they've had injured and they're still pretty darn good. Um, it's mostly been middle relief guys, but the, the amount of injuries the Dodgers have had, I mean, I have carpal tunnel just typing up the transactions that the Dodgers have yeah. every single night. It is unbelievable how many they have. Uh, but Freddie Freeman, and here's the thing about Freddie Freeman too, is he's been great. He's always been better in the second half of seasons. Like you take a look at guys after the all-star break, Freddie Freeman is notoriously among the best. He's actually gotten off to some slow starts uh, at times in his career. Not a slow start this year whatsoever, including the numbers I just gave you. 320, 14 homers, 53 RBI, and 11 stolen bases is a good season for a lot of guys. Freddie Freeman is an elite player, and I think he's, in my personal opinion, pretty clearly the best first baseman on the board. Uh, We'll go over all the positional value, too. I think that... uh, when you're going head to head like this, which a lot of people do, the positional stuff comes into play an awful, awful lot. Yeah, I mean, I think it it comes into play right here with my fifth overall pick, which is Jose Ramirez, third baseman for the Guardians, yeah. and he stole home on Thursday against the Royals. Did you see that? That was an awesome slide I did. there. It was great in the tenth inning. Yeah, to give the the Guardians a lead that they would then relinquish in the bottom half of the tenth, and a loss to to the lowly Royals and you know, the speed is a little down in general with Ramirez. That's not a shocker uh, as he moves into his thirties, but he'll be pushing toward 20 steals when all is said and done a very aggressive player. 
Um, his home run pace is down as well, and and that lineup around him in Cleveland is really rough. Um, but to fill third base, you know, to fill this third base spot with a five category player, and some of those categories are going to be elite at the end of the season. I couldn't let you get him on the next turn. I wanted to lock in Ramirez here at, at the five yeah. spot. I think he's clearly the the most productive fantasy third baseman on the board, and you have to consider that in a format where we're not just drafting the top 22 overall players where you have to consider position. I, I would guess the power um, hits an upturn in the second half with Jose Ramirez and he finishes as a, something close to a top 10 overall fantasy position player um, or yeah, something very close to that, which at the hot corner. And again, we're considering positions here. That's incredibly value. It it gives you an edge. It's like getting a a great tight end in football or something that that's not as applicable these days, but you get the the point, like a catcher, we're going to talk about catchers here soon too. Like if you can get the elite, the guy that's in a tier of his own, it gives you an advantage. Yeah, absolutely. And, and look, I think the tight end, uh, comparison is actually really apt. Like we, we always do this, we, and we did this with catcher a little bit this year too, and we'll, we did it with third base a little less, but some. And we do this in t- with tight ends in football. We say, oh, it's a pretty deep position, and then you look, and it's like, well, I'm streaming a guy in week seven again. It 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 yeah. all it <laughs> never actually works out. There are some elite options. Um, I actually, I'll be honest with you, I regret not taking Ramirez with the fourth pick just because um, in terms of positional value. And that's why I'd be looking to trade for him too. And not just because of our little head, head to head spiel type of thing, but because he gives you a, such a big advantage at the position. And, you know, mm-hmm. you'll, you'll see, I do not draft a third baseman for a quite some time. Uh, and there is a reason for that. Um, I did draft another outfielder though. And they the actually, and I'll, I'll point this out too. I drafted Fernando Tatis Jr. as a shortstop. I think him having shortstop eligibility is another thing that is wonderful. Probably won't have that ever again. So that is something to take advantage yeah. of in 2023. But I took Mark Mookie Betts, who has been fantastic again. The average is starting to pick back up at 270, uh, 22 homers, seven stolen bases. It's interesting. I think Betts drops a little bit because seven stolen bases well not bad at all it puts him on like a 15 stolen base pace and you might see him run a little bit more in the second half to get him closer to 20 that's well behind the guys that we've drafted so far drew i mean that's it's it's kind of interesting that mookie betts is kind of taking a hit because he's not stealing quite enough bases but he's going to contribute everywhere else and i think he'll help a little bit in that step in that category as well in the second half or a little more i should say he's Seven stolen bases again, not a horrible number, but doesn't compete with the Corbin Carroll 24 or Ronald Acuna with his 737 or whatever the heck it is so far this season. I love Betts. I think he's a, a lock to help in every single category. He's probably more high floor than high ceiling at this stage in the career, but that floor is pretty yeah. darn high. Yeah. I And yeah, I mean, like playing shortstop second base, Maybe yeah, he's not as aggressive on the base paths because he's running all over the diamond for the Dodgers, covering different positions for them. I feel like the Dodgers might get a shortstop at the deadline. There's talk of Me Tim too. Anderson um, because yeah, Miguel Rojas has just been really, really bad. And I, I know he's still a pretty good defender, but they need a little more offense from that position. I, I think they're going to find it at the trade deadline. Um, I went with Matt Olson at, at number seven overall here. And I, I saw this stat earlier this week when Matt Olson was at 26 home runs. That was already the, the most by any Braves player before July. 
since Andres Galarraga hit 27 first half homers in 1998. That's the franchise wow. record for the first half. And then of course, Olsen slugged two home runs with a triple on Friday, the June 30th, the final day of June to pass Galarraga, yeah. uh, the big cat, El Gato Grande. Um, <laughs> Olsen's going to ding you on batting average. We all yeah. know that um, he's, he's not going to ever be elite in that category, but the power production is ferocious from the homers to the league leading RBI total, which now sits at 67 through 81 games. He tacked on five more RBIs on Friday night. Um, the struggles against lefties are back. R- remember, he actually hit well versus Southpaws in his final year in Oakland before the yeah. trade to Atlanta, but he absolutely rakes against righties and most pitchers are right-handed. That truest park in Atlanta is perfect for his swing. I'm very, very confident that Olsen will keep filling up the home run and RBI categories for me as the number two to sometimes number four hitter on what is maybe the best team in all of baseball. Love, I, like, I, I think he's a high floor and high ceiling type of slugger in, in, his, yeah. in his current situation. <clears throat> no, I totally agree. I think I can't think of somebody better – like if you're trying to win that RBI category with the lineup that they have, I think he'd be the number one target. Like he's already driven in 67 runs in 81 games. Pretty easy to tell you uh, how many RBI that puts him on pace for. He's been healthy. He's been one of the more healthy players in all of baseball for a while now. Like he's played 162 yeah. games twice. He's on pace to do it again. Played 156 in 2021. Played all 60 in the truncated 2020 campaign. Really good player. That It is worth pointing out that the average is something that's going to hurt you a little bit. 102 strikeouts in 81 games is not great. But I, I think he's pretty clear cut the number two second first baseman right now. Like if you can't get Freddie Freeman, I think Matt Olson would be that next uh, target to acquire. Um, there's an awful lot to like about what he's done. And Atlanta's just loaded. Like you, I watched that game last night against uh, Miami and there's just, who do you pitch to? Like that is such a difficult lineup and they've got quality starting pitching. Uh, I think they're going to hit the over on their win total. I can't even tell you what that win total is right now, but I think they're going to hit it even in a division that has some pretty good stuff. Uh, My next pick is going to be another outfielder. Um, I guess it's only my second since Fernando Tatis Jr. is playing shortstop. Uh, It's going to be Matthew Libertor. Oh, oh, no, I'm not drafting that. Come on, buddy. I'm drafting the guy who was traded for that. Come wow. on, man. I'm a Mariner fan. You could do this for hours with me. Come on. I get to have a little <laughs> bit of fun. I'm going with Randy Rosarina, uh, a guy who is hitting 288, 401, 484, 15 homers, nine stolen bases, already driven in 57 runs. Look, everything I just said about Atlanta, it's not quite the same for Tampa Bay, but it's pretty darn close. There are a ton of guys to drive in on this lineup. He is not the last Tampa Bay Ray who will be drafted on this list. I think he's one of the more, and again, I like high floor guys, and I expect that a Rosarina is going to be able to be more successful in his stolen base attempts over these next few weeks. Uh, he's stolen, he's attempted 16 steals. Uh, he's gone the uh, Jeff Fisher 9-7, and seven, uh, although I guess Jeff Fisher was more of the 8-8. Eight eight, uh, is that another <laughs> Maybe, maybe a little bit. That's more a shot at Rotopath than at you, to be honest with you. But uh, I've been really impressed with what I've seen from Randy Rosarina. That bat speed is so impressive. It's such a difficult thing to pitch to that guy. He gets on base. He's going to score runs. In terms of five-category players, he's not quite in the, the upper echelon of the guys we took earlier, but I think he's that next guy right now for the rest of 2023. Yeah. 
Uh, at ninth overall, Juan Soto, another outfielder off the board here, plays for the San yeah. Diego Padres. I couldn't let him drop too far. It's It's been a brutal first half for the Padres. It's yeah. got to be the most disappointing team in baseball. Like My Cardinals are up there. Mets and Yankees fans are freaking out. I, I guess the Mets actually would rank right up there in terms of disappointment compared to expectations, but there's a lot of comps between the Padres and Mets. You know, this was supposed to be the the go for it season in San Diego with the aggressive payroll spending, and the record right now is thirty seven and forty five, eight games below the five hundred mark at eighty two games into the season. Um, Soto's doing his best to help spur on a turnaround. He was pretty quiet in April, but in his last fifty four games, dating back to the beginning of May, a three nineteen batting average, a ten seventeen OPS. Nine home runs, 17 doubles, 32 RBIs, a handful of stolen bases in there, too. He's not a zero in that category. Just one of the very best hitters on the planet at age 24. It's crazy that he's still only 24. Um, and I don't know. The Padres are too talented to go quietly into the night in this 2023 season. Soda's been hitting second and third right behind our, our number two overall pick here in, in Fernando Tatis Jr., um, you'd like some of those doubles to turn into homers. You'd like to see a little bit more power in in fantasy. You know, his walks don't give you as, as much, you know, but you don't really want him to change his plate approach. And he's going to run into some big nights um, with the way he's been playing over the last two months now. And with, with what the Padres are capable of in the second half, if they can just kind of get it going. Yeah, I like that pick a lot. It, maybe it's weird. Yeah, I, I like the pick of Juan Soto. What a, what great analysis that is. Um, yep. Is he guy that if we were playing in an on-base percentage league goes about four or five spots higher maybe, do you think? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, I don't know, does he go Does he go in front of Mookie Betts maybe? Yeah, I think so. I think that's probably where the cutoff is. In, in, yeah, look, maybe he I, jumps to like number six. Yeah, maybe he jumps to sixth. And I still think I, it, this is a kind of a weird point to talk about during a redraft league. I still want Soto like as much as anyone in dynasty leagues, because I do think we are just starting to see the beginning of the limiting of the shift. Like we are going to start to see that go, going away more and more. And I think Juan Soto is going to be a player who has benefited by that substantially, like substantially. This is a guy with an 80 grade hit tool. It's just, you know, because of the fact that he's so patient and because of the fact that, you know, pitchers are so good, he hasn't helped in the average category the last couple of years that I thought he would. But I still believe that this guy is a future batting champion and multiple time batting champion. If that ends up being a hot take, so be it. But I still believe Juan Soto is a guy who's going to help more in average than hurt for the, for so the you, overwhelming you think, majority you, of his career. Go ahead. Do you think they're going to like, um, at like tighten up the rules a bit on the shift stuff? Because the, what, what they're do. doing hasn't really. No, it's not really the shift has not been banned. No, it hasn't even been kind of banned. Like I watch shortstops literally live behind second base. This is not it it has been limited. You're seeing a little bit more uh, luck on singles like and that's great for those who really needed to see that. But it is far from the only thing you're not seeing is the second baseman play Red Rover in the middle of the outfield. Right. That's like that's the only thing you're not seeing here. You're still able to really. Uh, manipulate your infield defense. Ultimately, I think baseball wants to get rid of that completely and wants to have a just a normal infield so that those balls hit station up the middle. Station, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, station to station stuff. And you know what? 
that's fine now be fun for them now because once guys get on first base they're still in second base so that's it is not uh as uninteresting i guess you should say as it would be if it wasn't for the fact that everybody could run um this guy runs quite a bit uh kyle tucker is my next pick uh hitting 283 has already stolen 14 bases has only been caught once uh, the kind of issue with Tucker right now is the power really hasn't been there. He's only hit 11. This is a guy who hit 30 home runs in each of the last two seasons, uh, and his expected slugging percentage tells me that those homers are going to start coming. Barrel percentage is below average, which is a little bit concerning. But even if he's only a 20 to 25 homer guy, I'm comfortable here because he's going to hit for a good average. He's going to steal bases. He doesn't strike out. He plays pretty much every day. He's not a great outfielder, but the Astros do not have better options behind him in that regard. Uh, Kyle Tucker, again, is just a strong, high-floor option, uh, the type of guy who can help you uh, maybe not be the very best player on your fantasy team in a win, but if you can have him as like your second or third best player, you're going to be doing awfully well. Yep. Um, so you took Kyle Tucker at the 10th overall pick. 11th overall pick, I went Marcus Semyon. And we talked about the Rangers earlier, how they're, you know, their big offensive expenditures from the winter leading into the 2022 season are, they're paying off now here in 2023. It's that, that offense is stacked and they're working on the pitching stuff on the fly. And Semyon is obviously a featured character in all of this. He, he hasn't stolen as many bases as I'd like, but he's only been caught once. So maybe he could turn it up a notch in that department in the second half and feel confident in doing so, I, he should get me to to twenty plus homers, twenty plus steals when all is said and done. And he's the league leader, or he's the American League leader right now in runs scored with sixty seven. Uh, Semyon plays every day. He's at the top of the Rangers lineup every day, and we talked about how how lethal that lineup can be. Um, just eating up chances to do damage, and that's what you want in fantasy opportunities and talent. And he's got both of those things. Hitting a ton of doubles, some of those could turn into to dingers for me in the second half. But, a true box score filler at second base and you know with what he can do individually and what can be helped with with the the teammates that surround him and yeah box score fillers at second base can be hard to come by so i, I did also consider position with this pick and wanted to fill that second base spot and you know filling it with Simeon is about as good as you could do yeah, absolutely. He's the player that I was hoping to take. I do believe I sent you a swear word after you made that selection uh, in our little Slack mm-hmm. chats. Um, I am willing to print that out and show to people uh, for the right price. Uh, by the way, uh, relevant to you, uh, Drew, I just saw on my television that Obi Toppin just got traded to the Indiana Pacers. Uh former wow. uh, legend mm. of uh, uh guy. school that, yeah well <laughs> i don't think the knicks are all that great and i do think the pacers have underrated uniforms the blue and gold yeah they're they're, they're quiet well they're kind of like yeah they're i think they're being run very well we don't need to get an nba talk but yeah i, I kind of like that the pacers have some freedom to do a lot of things that most teams don't in the nba right now that is a very, very uh, good point. Uh, and that and Marcus Simeon was a very, very good pick. I, I I still think it's crazy how people just jumped all over the Rangers calling it such a terrible signing because, look, seven years was a lot to play uh, a player that was over the age of 30 and had really yeah. only two elite seasons. But, oh, were they elite seasons, Drew? And this guy, when he's at his best, is as good as any infielder in baseball. Like, that's high praise, I know. But like Marcus Simeon can do 
everything. And he's such a good defensive player. And oh boy, I don't think the Rangers are actually going to have to file for chapter 11 if Marcus Simeon slows down in the final class of a couple right. of years in his contract. Uh, this guy's pretty all right too. I'm going with Boba Shett as my uh, uh, utility player. I think Bobachet quietly has had a really good season. He's hit 316, 14 homers, driven in 48 runs, has not stolen bases at a very high rate. And I think it's worth pointing out that he is a guy who has been slowing down considerably in terms of sprint speed. And this is why I think he's no longer a super elite option in terms of like not somebody. If you remember, there was a time, I think it was after 2020, where we were talking about is Boba Shett a candidate for being a future first overall pick? Like because of what he was doing, he's not that. And it's worth pointing out that he's 25 years old. So, you know, there's more to come, I think, offensively from the guy. Uh, it seems like he's either 20 or 40. And yeah, as somebody brings up in the chat, Bo has struggled a little bit lately. I think that Bo Bichette's going to be okay. Uh, Bo Bichette is a guy who is in the 91st percentile in expected slugging, the 99th percentile in expected batting average. The hits are going to start falling again. Would I like to see a little bit better approach at the plate? Sure. Would I like to see him steal a few more bases? Yeah, absolutely. But if I am only getting a player who's going to hit 300 and it's a lock, that Boba Shed is going to get 300 and give you about 25 to 30 homers. Yeah, I will take that even if he only gives you about a double digit stolen bases. I, I think he's been better this year than the counting stats suggest. Yep. Like, Same. I mean, you look at the advanced metrics, and I, I know it's been a little bit streaky. Like, he had a great stretch in April and then faltered, and then had another pickup in toward the end of May and then has faltered. But um, overall, I would feel really confident in, in him having. A really good second half. I, I I like that pick. It probably would have been my pick. And I mean, we've got to talk about shortstop. So I, I took Wander Franco right after here at 13th overall. And you know, I might have waited on a shortstop if this wasn't a position dependent draft. You probably agree with me. If if we're just grabbing the top 22 players, sure. I don't know how many shortstops would necessarily be in there. It's it's been somewhat of a letdown this year overall. With Trey Turner has not lived up to the hype. In yep. Philly, Tim Anderson's been pretty dreadful. O'Neill yeah. Cruz got hurt. Xander Bogarts has been dealing with a, a nagging physical issue and has faded from that hot start that he got off to. That's a, a big part of the reason why the Padres have been disappointing. And, and just all of that has arrived in line with Franco's emergence as fin finally, I say finally, he's what, 22 years old, but he's a, he's a counting <laughs> stats compiler. It's just something like we've been waiting on for him to like fill up the counting stats, the, you know, the back of the baseball card, the five by five fantasy scoring numbers. Um, he had the tools to do it as soon as he got the call to Tampa Bay at, at age 20. And, and he's now doing it um, at age 22 through his first 78 games this year, nine homers, 26 stolen bases, 40 RBIs, 46 runs scored to go along with a 285 batting average and eight, 10 OPS, which has fallen, but he can get that up again. He's not a sprint speed darling. You and I talked about that a few weeks ago, but he, he's a smart base stealer. And the Rays are a smart baseball team that is taking advantage of elevated success rates on stolen base attempts. So they're going to stay aggressive. They're going to let their players run. Franco's going to stay aggressive. Um, so give me like a, a 35 stolen base, maybe even pushing toward 40 stolen base shortstop with the upside to fill the other categories too. Um, I'm 13th overall seems aggressive for this player. Maybe 
because he wasn't treated like that this spring. But I, I think the people that drafted Wander Franco and got him out of value this spring are incredibly happy that they did. Yeah, absolutely. I've been nothing but impressed with what Wander Franco has done. Um, your your risk there is uh, just a bad teammate, just a, just a horrible human being, that Wander Franco. No, that's, uh, <laughs> that's a longer conversation for another day about how silly Major League Baseball teams can certainly be. I, I, I'm a huge Wander Franco fan. I think he's as talented as a player that I've scouted in my time of covering prospects and stuff. Like you could see a bunch of 80 tools with this guy and it is uh, he's been pretty darn good this year. I saw him absolutely scorch a triple against my Seattle Mariners. And speaking of those Seattle Mariners, this pick is uh, one after watching him play last night, I was kind of like, Oh boy, it's going to be tough to sell this one, but I'm taking Julio Rodriguez. Look, the results for Julio Rodriguez have been disappointing this year. He's only hitting 238, a 709 OPS. However, even in a disappointing year, this guy is given 13 home runs and 18 stolen bases. And I have zero doubt he's going to be better in the second half of the season. Like, look, the issue with Julio has been that he has been chasing too much. Uh, sweepers in particular have been a big issue for the guy. Uh, his chase rates in the bottom 11th percentile and his whiff percentages in the 25th percentile, which helps explain kind of why... Um, his batting average isn't as high, despite the fact that his hard hit percentage is in the 93rd percentile, his average exit velocity is in the 94th percentile. Even if Julio Rodriguez is only a 250 or 260 hitter down the stretch, and I think he's better than that. I really do. I think he's going to be uh, much better in terms of that average category. The homers and steals are still going to keep you relevant. Like He's on pace to be about a 30-40 player. We will certainly take that, Drew, even if you take a little bit of a hit in the average uh, long term, I think Julio Rodriguez is as good as any player in baseball. I think it would be interesting if you did a dynasty draft to see where he would go now. I still think it would be pretty darn high, uh, but we're just talking about redraft leagues. So Julio does fall a little bit because of that dip in average. But it wouldn't shock me at all if after this, uh, if we did this again and looked at this draft in uh, December, which we won't. I'm burning this thing in effigy as soon as we're done. Um, but it wouldn't shock me at all if we looked at this thing and said, wow, how did Julio Rodriguez fall to the 14th pick? Yeah, I, and I just I just got Julio Rodriguez in like a buy low kind of trade and a 16 team league. Um, nice. I'm, I'm buying all like he was, I talked about, there wasn't a consensus number one overall pick. He was picked number one overall in, in some drafts this spring. And I mean, this isn't like a huge fall for him where you took him, but if you can get a guy that has the tools to be a number one overall pick this late in right. a, in a, you know, halfway point redrafts, I mean, you got to jump all over it. I would have taken him with my next pick. If you, if you let him fall, even though I think I was already set at outfield, um, I went with Will Smith, uh, catcher for the Dodgers. This is may maybe another format. It's definitely a format-based reach here, grabbing a catcher this early. But I feel like Smith is near a tier of his own at the position, or at least leading that top tier with a couple of other catchers. Uh, currently batting 282 with a 911 OPS, 12 home runs, 41 RBIs, 39 runs scored through 60 games. Um, that's not elite stuff for like a just a general position player, but for a catcher to have a 911 OPS and to have the power that mm -hmm. he provides with the RBIs and the run scored. Yeah, you get it. I mean, he's not getting as many DH chances as I would like when the Dodgers want to rest him from the catcher position and you know, damn you JD Martinez. But when Smith <laughs> does play, he's, he's usually going to find a, you know, a, a big hit as the, you know, the number three hitter is generally where he's hit for the, the Dodgers. 
um, who've had some pitching issues, which we discussed. Like they got a ton of pitchers on the injured list, but they're plenty dangerous offensively, and they, they will be one of the best teams in baseball in the second half. I'll say that confidently. Like their pitching is is going to be fine. There's some, some injuries and there's some youth hiccups that have held them back. Um, in general, if if I'm drafting a catcher and and you made me draft a catcher in this league, I want it to be Will Smith. So I grabbed him at 15th overall. I hate to tell you this, Drew, but you accidentally drafted the reliever Will Smith. Uh, it's going to be tough for you. We can see if we can work out a trade. Um, but yeah, I, I, Will Smith is constantly underrated, and it's it, it kind of baffles my mind a little bit. Like every year, he ends up being like catcher two or three, but he seems to fall down in drafts. As, at least the ones I do, like uh, JT Realmuto, often. Is that, by the way, JT Ramuto not drafted by either of us? What a disappointing year he has had. Um, in a year yeah. where I thought maybe he could have a, a really big season with that Philadelphia lineup and stealing some bases because he's one of the more fleeter of foot catchers, but it just has not worked out that way uh, whatsoever. So I break the the pitcher streak, and we only get to take one. And I may surprise a little bit with this one. I did consider who Drew took and some other guys as well, but I went with Garrett Cole. I just think Garrett Cole offers the best of ceiling and floor of the pitchers available. Now, if you look at his Savant page, it's not particularly impressive. I mean, hard hit percentage is well below average. Expected batting average is well below average. And the stuff he's good at, he's not necessarily elite. 71st percentile in K, 62nd in base on balls, 57 in whiff. Uh, does get pitchers to swing at swing pitches outside of the zone an awful lot. Pitching's a weird thing right now, Drubert. It is a kind of a weird yeah. little category. And... I'm going to go with the guy that has a strong trek record who's pitched well this year. You know, I hate saying it, but I do look at that eight and one loss win loss record too. And it doesn't, doesn't not appeal to me. Is that sustainable per se? I don't know, but I think the Yankees are going to keep him enough in games that he's going to get a lot of win chances. Hopefully they do get that uh, outfielder that nobody took uh, back soon to help uh, with that offense. And hopefully Giancarlo Stanton, another guy that we could put in our three, four, five lineup. Absolutely. But it's been terrible this year. Hopefully he can get going a little bit, but I think that Garrett Cole is the best pitching option. I'm curious if you would have taken him if he was still on the board, Mr. Silver. Yeah, I, I, th I was going to go. Um, I was going to go starting pitcher next. And this is actually the time in, in our slash chat where I suggested that we should go with a, we should add a utility spot. Yes. Um, because after you took Cole, I was like, oh, I don't want to draft a, a starter yet. I need to draft another hitter. Um, so you went Garrett Cole 16th. I went Pete Alonzo 17th. And um, I, I just – I wanted to get him. I wanted him to come off the board and, and let this draft not finish without Alonzo being taken. 24 homers, 55 RBIs already. Despite a relatively underwhelming 815 OPS, I, I will say confidently that Alonzo's rate stats will improve in the second half, especially that OPS. You know, who knows what the batting average – um, and he's going to bring all that counting stats goodness with the homers and RBIs that come along with it. He's going to get to 40 homers. He's going to get to 100-plus RBIs. He had 131 RBIs last year to, to lead all MLB hitters. A very safe floor of home run and RBI production with a ceiling to you know punch up to down the stretch. I don't think – well, I think we can say confidently the Mets are not going to catch Atlanta at the top of the NLE standings. That's pretty much just – I, almost mathematically impossible at this point, but they're better than a 10 game under 500 team. Uh, maybe they can catch the Marlins. <laughs> like that's, that's kind of sad that that's the, the thing to aim for. Um, 
but I, I don't see like the Mets doing a trade deadline sell off. Steve Cohen had that. I, I don't know. It was kind of a weird press conference for the owner to really to, like weird. just set up his own press conference. But I, I appreciate that he's like very open and, and honest about uh, with the fan base. If I were a fan, I, w- I would love to you know have ownership that's that's like that. Um, and I, I just I see there being internal improvement with this team, you know. And I, I think Alonzo is going to just feast on the stretch. I think he, he's going to be really. I think he's going to be better in the second half than he was in the first. And in terms of like fantasy scoring, he's been great already in the first half. Uh, interesting question here from Uncle Ted Talks: Who's going to have a better second half, Pete Alonzo or Vlad? I guess you're definitely going with Pete Alonzo here because you know you're you're taking the guy. Uh, but yeah. I do think uh, I do think that Vladdy's really interesting. I think the power is going to be much better in the second half. I, you I just agree. look at the dude and see what he's done. Uh, I expect him to put on a show during the home run derby. Uh, by the way, his quote about uh, what his plan for the home run derby, uh, just go look for it. It's very funny. It's basically, I plan on hitting a lot of homers and good for you, Vladdy Jr. By the way, by the way, uh, if anybody wants to get me tickets to the home run derby, please, please, my DMs are wide open. I can't afford it. Nobody can afford it. The prices on this thing are insane. Um, but yeah. I've covered a lot of all-star games, Drew, and I've never gotten the chance to go to the home run derby. And it is just driving me crazy. Um, you can send me some Venmo to help me out with that. Um, but yeah, I, I like the Alonzo mm. pick quite a bit. Um, and I think that's a really nice utility player. Uh, homers and RBIs for sure. And I do think that you make a good point that the Mets cannot be that uh, this bad going on. So now we get a, a little bit. We're talking about strategery time. I took my pitcher, which yeah, is, here we you, go. Know, you only get one. Uh, I knew that I was not going to leave this draft without Felix Bautista, who I think is clearly the best reliever in baseball right now. And if if we're being honest, Drew, if this was 1998 or even 2006 or something like that, I think that Felix Bautista would be talked about as a Cy Young candidate for sure. Like, this is a guy who has a 1.19 ERA for one of the best teams in baseball. He has struck out 76 hitters and 37 and two-thirds hitting. This is the first time, Drew, we've talked a lot about relievers over the last, like, seven years together. This is the first time I'm actually excited to talk about one because Felix Bautista is just stupid good. His expected ERA is in the 99th percentile. Nobody's better at getting whiffs right now. Nobody's better at getting strikeouts right now. He throws hard. He is a monster of a human being. You like you what you watch that guy come out to the mound. He he's probably the center of the two guys that we were just talking about. We're moving yeah. we're moving judge to the we're moving judge to the two, and now we've got a team that can bang with anybody. I mean, he's just special. And here's the thing that I really like about Felix Bautista is yeah, all the rights and stuff are great, but you need saves. And Baltimore is good but they're not that good. So you're going to see a lot of 4-2 wins, a lot of 4-1 wins, a lot of 6-3 wins. You're going to see a lot of save chances for him. And I think the concern that we had with Bautista last year was, is he the closer? Is he going to be that guy who is actually pitching in the ninth inning? Or is he going to be more of that guy who pitches in the high leverage situations? Everything we've seen so far this year, Drew, is he's the closer. He is the guy who gets the ball in the ninth inning because, you know, they have some other guys who could kind of maneuver in that situation. I love Felix Bautista, even in, I'll say this, this is crazy. Even if we didn't have to draft a reliever, I would consider him in my top 22 or 24 or whatever the heck we did because he is that dominant right now. Mm. 
Yeah, that that would be an interesting question. I, I mean, he's he's made thirty six appearances. He has twenty one saves, so he's generally being saved for save opportunities. And I right. know K per nine is a silly stat in general, and even sillier for relievers. But his K per nine is eighteen point two. I mean, he's like we're talking about major league all time record kind of stuff with what he's been doing. And I I wanted Batista as my closer. It, you, you can't ever like feel too sniped in a 22 pick mock draft. <laughs> I had him I I had him all lined up cuz I was like all right this solves the closer issue and then I can like come on this show and talk about it and it'll be fun to talk about Felix Bautista <laughs> totally stole it from me. Um I went Shane McClanahan here at 19th overall since we were only each drafting one starting pitcher I kind of figured I would get either Cole or McClanahan. I did consider Spencer Strider. Uh, that mm. ERA should come down a bit, and the strikeouts are such a wonderful thing. But McClanahan, for me, offers the consistency and the workload and everything you'd want in a fantasy ace. I say that assuming he can roll into the second half with a clean bill of health. He, he had a back right. issue in a previous outing uh, last weekend and then uh, stayed on turn against the Mariners last night, but the back issue flared up on him again. That's obviously a bit of a concern, but there is the all-star break coming up. The Rays can play this smart and they're a smart baseball team. I'll say it again. And just like, I don't know, maybe don't even give them a start next week. Or if you do have it be kind of a short one roll into mid July after the all-star break with McClanahan at hundred percent, you don't even have to put them on the injured list, which is you know going to be annoying for fantasy managers. Um, but even with these sputters lately and, and the back issue, McClanahan is 11 and one, with a 2.53 ERA, 101 strikeouts through 96 innings. Uh, always a great shot at a win with the way the Rays have used him like a traditional ace. They're not you know, pulling him from outings when he doesn't need to be pulled. And I, the strikeouts are going to rise from where they are now. You know, He's probably pitching more to contact to be able to work deeper into games, but he has amazing stuff. Um, he can miss bats when he wants to. So assuming that this back issue is just a blip, um, I'm, and I'm feeling optimistic in that assumption. I, McClanahan should be should be able to roll down the stretch. I, I think I'd put him as the number two starting pitcher for the second half right now, and we'll kind of see what happens with this back problem. Yeah, I will. I will say um, he did not look good last night, um, but hopefully yeah. this is like you said, just a little uh, little hiccup and something that he can just work through because. When he's healthy over the last two years, he's been as good as anybody, if not better, especially among left-handed hurlers. Uh, I like that pick a lot. He was probably third on my board. Um, Zach Gallen was another guy that I was considering just because I love mm. to the what's going on with Arizona. That's Hey, I got to give you a ton of credit. A lot of people thought Arizona was maybe a year away or so. Doesn't look like a team that's a year away to me at all. In fact, um, I've heard some talk about the Mariners and Diamondbacks hooking up on a little bit of a dealie uh, involving some of the pitchers uh, in uh, Seattle that could be headed over there and maybe a talented wow. young shortstop in Arizona that could be headed the way of Seattle. That's just something I've heard a little bit of talk on. Um, but uh, Shane McClanahan's really good. It's just a matter of, you know, if he can stay healthy. Here's the thing. If you can't, Drew, the waiver wire is wide open. you got a lot of options if you have to put them on the injured list. Uh, That's true. Exercise. If we actually played yeah. this league out, that'd be fun. Just but streaming really aces fun. every day. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah, that'd be really fun. And by the way, Drew and I will offer uh, some streaming uh, options at the very end of the show uh, for Sunday. That's something we will try to do uh, every week. So, 
I'm down to two positions left. I have a third. I need a third baseman and I need a catcher. Uh, the two positions that I think are the weakest right now, actually in baseball, if you held uh, some sort of weapon to me, please don't hold any weapons to me. But I'm going to go with Raphael Devers. I think Raphael Devers has had a frustrating season so far in 2023, but the power has been there. He's already hit 19 homers. He's driven in 61 runs. Um, the batting average has struggled. I don't really know why the batting average has struggled because you take a look at all the stats and they suggest that he should be hitting for a higher average. 93rd percentile expected batting average in the 83rd only striking out uh, at a, a striking out at a clip that does not suggest hitting 240 whatsoever. Uh, and you talk about a track record, which is weird to say for a player who's still only 26 years old. It seems like Raphael Devers has been in the league for like 15 years, but it's still only 26 years old. Time is very weird. I expect him to be much better. The only reason why I think Devers falls even in a draft where we're not doing positional stuff, you're probably talking about a late second, early third round pick because you could make the bases 800 feet wide. He's not giving you any help in the stolen base category, but I think he can help everywhere else. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I we can get into some notable names that were left off the board, like Manny Machado, but there's probably a pretty big gap, you know, at third base from Jose Ramirez and then to the next crew, but maybe even Jose Ramirez to Devers and then even the next, you know, tier. Um, It's, it's a, it's been a weird position, like with Nolan Arenado not having a great season. um, I I would, I I would just feel confident in Devers at least like, I mean, he's been victimized by the the Red Sox offense, you know, being so hit or miss. Uh, Yoshida has been a nice addition. Verdus had a great season, but, there's there's just a lot of holes in that lineup and and sometimes he runs into chances where you know he he doesn't luck into to really good like you know box score filling opportunities um absolutely i i went with alexis diaz at 21st overall my my last pick the second to last pick in this draft you know the the red flag if you could call it that with with diaz this spring was that Cincinnati would probably be open to trade offers for him, you know, and that would maybe put Alexis Diaz into a setup role, possibly with a contending club. There was talk of him meeting his brother in Queens with the Mets, but, you know, Edwin Diaz probably won't pitch this season. There's talk of him maybe turning, returning late, but with the way things have gone for the Mets, I I feel like we're not going to see that. Um, But now this is a Reds team that is in position to win the National League Central, just the worst division. Well, the AL Central is pretty bad, too, but both of those central divisions are just have been awful. And you'd have to think that ownership is going to make a run for it, a run for that NL Central crown after losing so much fan equity. When was it Phil Castellini, the the owner's son, offered up that where are you going to go comment at like their fan fest in January? So, I mean, the time is now to strike and. Diaz is locked in as the ninth inning man with all the rate stats and, and the strikeouts and, and to be able to pack on save chances too. I think it should be a really entertaining second half in Cincy where they actually are buyers at the deadline for the first time in a while. And Diaz will be a big part of, you know, securing wins if they are able to win the national Central. It's, it's right there for the taking for them. And they have a lot of young talent and a lot of excitement around that team. And, yeah, D- I think Diaz at the back end of the bullpen is going to be a big beneficiary of all of it. I yeah, wanted absolutely. Felix Batista, though. I, I think all of us wanted, and all of us being the two of us, uh, all of us wanted Felix Batista. Um, I like Diaz especially, too, because of the fact that the Reds are good. The central divisions are 
stupid ban geography for baseball decisions 2023 uh we're banning shoulders we're banning geography we're banning a lot of stuff drew uh but yeah i i like that pick a lot he'd be my second reliever off the board as well in part because the reds again are going to play a lot of close games and you're going to get a lot of save opportunities for them i'll close this out i have to take a catcher and this guy hasn't been just good for a catcher he's been good yeah. sean murphy um sean Mur oh, by the way that's a trade um Astoria Ruiz looks good, but I still think that trade, it's unbelievable that Atlanta was able to get away with this deal without giving up uh, top prospects, um, has been sensational for them. He's hitting 294 with a 946 OPS, 14 homers, 47 stolen bases, um, one of the best defensive catchers in baseball, so you don't have to really worry about him being out of the lineup, even with Travis Darnod. Darnot getting some starts at designated hitter at times for uh, Marcelo Zuna, um, you know, uh, but that doesn't really hurt you with Murphy. And he's going to get his chance to play some designated hitter probably down the stretch as well. He's position he's played a few times as well, filling out that lineup card for Atlanta. I like Murphy a lot. Is he the 22nd best player or 24th? I can't remember no. again. No, he's not. But is he somebody that you want on your fantasy roster? Yeah, and I think he's pretty clearly the second best catcher in baseball right now in terms of fantasy. All due respect to Adley Rutschman, uh, Salvador Perez still can run into some homers here and there, but it's you know dealt with some injury stuff. The eye stuff has been really scary with Salvador Perez. I think Adley yeah. Rutschman actually was somebody that I did consider because I do think he's going to have a monster second half. I just believe in that talent too. so much. It is worth pointing out, though, with Rutschman, just real quick, I don't want to go on too long of a tangent. He can't throw. Like the 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 statistics say that he's been among the worst throwing catchers in baseball. He has not been helped by some very slow pitchers for the Baltimore guys. But that is really interesting because I do wonder if he might see more time at DH. Uh, if these throwing things can't uh, cannot help, I still think he'll be fine with catcher eligibility. But it is weird. Adley Rutschman, a guy who was considered a really good defender. It's kind of struggled behind the plate. Um, long story short, Sean Murphy's good. Yeah, I mean, some notable absences that we so yeah, that was that was the final pick of this experiment. Adolis Garcia, you know, God, he, he's the number three overall fantasy producer That's right now, and he did it last taken. year and he did it the year before. At some point, we got to believe in that guy. I just, yeah, I wanted you to take him, I didn't want to take him because <laughs> former like, Cardinal. obvious flaws. Jeez, man. Um, Luis Robert, <laughs> who's really turned it on lately, uh, did not come off the board. We talked about Manny Machado earlier. Paul Goldschmidt, um, given that we all, each only needed one first baseman, he didn't come off the board. Sure. Trey Turner, like he was a guy that was going top three, top two selections and drafts, but just isn't offering a ton across the board right now with Philly. I think he'll be a lot better in the second half. We can Me do too. like a whole deep dive on him. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe, maybe next week we'll do kind of a – I know we've we've kind of done a similar theme, but guys that we really think are going to punch it in the second half, and he could be one of those guys. We talked about Vlad Jr. being one of those guys, Pete Alonzo with the rate stats. Um, yeah, before we close it out, though, let's do some some Sunday streamers. This is a competition that you and I sort of have for who has to do the after-show duties. Um, <laughs> do, you, do you have one? Yeah, I'll be honest with you. Uh, as I was writing it up, I was like, Oh, this is a bad day for streaming options. This is a day where <laughs> it's a lot of ace pitchers going and it's a lot of not so good. Um, I'll go with Colin Ray. I I, I don't think it, I'm going to expect fireworks from him, but I can see six innings of three run baseball and getting a win, you know, 
I'm not super excited about it, but if you're just looking for that win opportunity, um, I'll take him. I, I think the guy you're going to take has more upside, but also a lot lower floor. But I do understand why yeah. you're selecting this dude. Well, I, I was looking at the roster percentage. Like Ranger Suarez is still under 50%, at least on Yahoo. Mm. He did the Nationals on Sunday, but he's 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 on rosters in any competitive like leagues. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, that I know that would be cheating. And Taj Bradley's hovering around 40% too. He's going to be my pick against your Mariners. Maybe I'm cheating in this contest, but um, <laughs> his roster percentage like shot way up. He had such a, a nice stretch from like early June to mid June, but he got dropped oh, yeah. in a lot of leagues after getting beat up by the Diamondbacks this past Tuesday in Arizona. I'm thinking he bounces back at Seattle uh, facing a lineup that has a lot of swing and miss in it. And, and Bradley has 73 strikeouts through his first 53 major league innings this year as a rookie. There have been some blowups, uh, so the ERA is not especially wonderful, but hey, that just makes him more widely available. You got Colin Ray, I've got Taj Bradley, um, and whoever loses gets kicked off the show. Oh man, I kind of like doing this. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I like that Bradley pick just because Seattle's. I mean, they're in trouble, man. Like you were talking about most disappointing teams. I think Seattle's right up there with them. Like they, yeah, they haven't I, spent yeah, the right. same kind of money as the Padres and uh, the Mets, but this is a team that I think a lot of people thought was going to compete for the division and maybe do some damage in the playoffs with that pitching staff. Best of luck getting into the postseason with what's going on with you right now. When you're relying on Mike Ford as your designated hitter, um, you're asking, yeah, what's that all her. about? Uh, it's not good. It's not good, buddy. Uh uh, real quick before we go, uh, I am gonna. We talked about basketball. I'm gonna offer a uh, a music recommendation to people. Uh, NPR put out the Juvenile Tiny Desk concert this morning. Oh my goodness gracious! It is one of the greatest things that I have ever seen in my entire life. If you happen to be Juvenile's age, you know the 35 to 45 year olds, you are going to dig this so much. It is so incredible. Um, Go search out for the NPR thing. Do all the Rotowire stuff first and then go check it out. We want you to click on all of our stuff and then we'll let you go check out the Tiny Desk uh, NPR stuff. The Tiny Desks are so cash fun, money. Drew. Yeah, they're great. <laughs> yeah, they're awesome. And, and I, 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 was, uh, I was a cash money kid, so I get it. Oh, I'm going to go check yeah, it out. I mean, you're not that far. Well, you should be more of a St. Lunatic than a cash money guy, but I, I totally understand. Um, a little, I mean, I, I could like them both. Yeah, we are so old. Uh, that's going to do it for us, uh, this episode of the Roto-Wire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Uh, please follow us on Twitter. I'm at Crawford underscore M-I-L-B. Drew is at Drew Silve. Rate and review the show if you like what you're hearing. Hit that subscribe button if you really like what you're hearing. And make sure to check out our show every single day. We have new episodes every single day of the season. Thanks so much, and we'll talk again tomorrow.